ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather, as promised, joining me now on a loaded show this morning. We said we had guest uh, Ben Mincy of Barstool Sports going to come on. We're going to talk some betting with him next hour. Um, just been good. Got the perspective on uh, on the Texas Longhorns as well from um, Aaron Hogan. And, of course, we got to talk some Saints football with the man, the myth, the legend. He's been doing it that long now that I can say that um, with maybe a little hyperbole. That'd be Mr. Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Ralph, good morning, man. What's happening? Good morning, Scott. I told my my wife is going. To, my wife is a wedding planner. She's going to Vegas to do a wedding, and I said, "Pound that over, my lovely wife. You're going to get to the Saints, get to the window, drop that Jameis MVP bets, drop the bet the over on the Saints." We're going wild. I'm I'm drunk on optimism today. The Saints looked amazing last night. I know it's the Jaguars and they're terrible, but whatever. It was superb. Well, Monday night, you know, I knew that you would be uh, totally irrational, so I wanted to. That's right. I thought about it. I'm like, I had to get Ralph on this week. So here we are on Wednesday morning, and I think the question that everyone's dying for you to answer is really, what are your thoughts on Sean Payton wearing a full-on baseball cap? I think it's weird. I think it's not the way God wants him to be on the sideline. That was my first thought. And, and I was like, is this, did he bring us to an alternate universe? And maybe in the alternate universe, he has to wear the hat to make Jameis awesome and have Callaway be Hall of Fame quality. But Scott, I think he needs to not wear the same. That, that hat he wore wasn't that great. Like the Saints, they have all kinds of hats. I have a ton of them. There's way better Saints hats to wear on the sideline, first of all. But second of all, I think he needs to go more ridiculous every week. Like some weeks, he should have like a glitter hat and like pink and then go like, like Saints floppy hat, like that you wear the beach, right? And then he can go like outside when they're like out on the West Coast, maybe you're in Seattle. He could go like full old school, like Vaughn Johnson safari hat and like get a saints logo i think he should go full-on weird hat guy like you know how nfl coaches used to wear suits oh yeah and stuff on the sideline like i think sean payton should bring back weird hats maybe maybe he just breaks out a bucket hat one week <laughs> exactly that's what i'm talking about uh okay so maybe those listening don't care and they're wondering about it because sean payton's a visor guy all right i mean it just it looked, it, you know you watch enough Saints games over the years when he looks a little different. It's like, what is, what's going on? Does he? It also looks like he might be doing a little Botox. I mean, what's Sean? Sean's... He's looking young. He's looking younger, man. The thing is, though, he did a lot of interviews in the off season where, like, it was outside and it was like Skype or whatever. And he had a couple interviews where he was looking old. I think, I think the Saints have like new technology in the HD and all that. And it makes him look a little better. He's look, he's looking, he's looking better in the off season. He's looking a little run down. But you know, it's got the thing is with the with the. Peter King column that Sean Payton is admitting that he's like texting Breeze, like when he's on the bus, he's like, I miss you sometimes. Like, I wonder, do you think Sean Payton has like a sad Drew playlist on his Spotify? Only for times, only for times where like, not at all times, just when he really guy has a bad performance or he's, he makes some inside joke in the quarterback room and no one gets it. That's when he goes and just hits play and just cries a little. I think I think he breaks it out like at certain times. Yeah, 
ESPN yeah, fourteen twenty. Maybe like when he's watching Ted Lasso at like two in the morning, mm-hmm. getting a little yeah. getting a little teary eyed. I can see it. Such a great show, man. Don't go on it. All right. Um, that last week's episode with the you know the 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 rom com. I'm into communism. Rom communism. And then they well, just played the it out with all the rom com stuff. I was God, I was laughing. <laughs> the so ending hard. was just perfect. It really but was. Here's a, here's the thing that I was so disappointed in the media last year. Uh, Sean Payton was talking about how Drew Brees got him watching Ted Lasso, and and in the hotel when they had the episode where they went to Liverpool and beat Everton, they're like, we stayed in that hotel that they shot it at at London, and he just meant it, and like none of the media. Ask him any Ted Lasso question. I'm like, what do you think of Roy Kent? Who's yeah. your favorite character? Your, who like, is the Roy Kent of this team? I mean, do they, they have one? I mean, you know? Yeah, and the media just like this, like that kind of quality content just he would have like a yeah. night. He, he would have gone on too, man. It's like the thing is, like Sean Payton, even though he's not a former, well, I guess technically he's a former player, but he's known for being a coach. Not you know for throwing a couple of picks mm-hmm. in the strike year, he's got like the most Roy Kin in him. Uh, he's the guy that's just like, you know, I mean, he might not be as salty with the media as Roy Kin is, but you get the sense that like he's you know he's he, he he'll growl at a kid I, just to do it. I am now. This makes me a, a terrible father, probably. I now go around to my son when he does something good or he does something bad. I go into him and I go. Burn this into your bleeping brain. <laughs> like Roy Kent. From, uh, for those that aren't watching Flat Ted Lasso, they, they don't understand this you conversation. But you do they need don't. to. But it, no, but it's it's great, man. It's a great show. It's uplifting. We need more of that these days. All right. The That's reason right. I brought you on, Ralph and I get off track a lot. Um, Monday night, I, I said this on my show uh, Tuesday morning. Like, in life, the most difficult decisions you'll usually make are are usually pretty rational ones because you've you've sort of already played it out in your head a lot, you know. Granted, you might you un- yeah. have an unfortunate circumstance where you have to make like a split decision and that's tough. But just if it's one that you can think about, it's usually going to be rational because you've you've done everything. But the reason it's difficult is because of the emotions tied into it. Mm-hmm. And the only reason Sean Payton drew out the well, I'm going to start is because of the emotional investment. I mean, he's a, he has an emotional investment in, in Taysom Hill for whatever reason, and some coaches do with certain players. But it, it really felt like that was already Jameis's job, barring some catastrophic performance tonight. It was his. And the fact that he went out and was 9 of 10 and looked sharp and went through his reads quickly and recognized, okay, we got cover three here, single man, I'm going to throw it up. Callaway's make it just... It, it it felt like it was already kind of settled, and Monday night's game was just a foregone conclusion. Reiterated that point, and the only reason Peyton's drawing it out is because rationally he knows the right thing to do. It's just emotionally, he just doesn't like the thought of sitting down with Taysom and 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 having that convo, even though Taysom knows it's coming, right? Well, well, it kind of goes back to what we talked about before, where you know Sean Payton was getting nostalgic and talking about Drew Brees last year and that sort of thing. I think Sean Payton is, he's so unique as a coach in that he has these connections and these memories. You know, he was at the Zach Streif retirement press conference. They, you know, they've sort of hung on maybe with players too long. They don't, the Saints don't have that cold calculating 
Bill Belichick, I'm going to let you go a year early sort of thing. The Saints have this sort of emotion. They're smart, obviously, but they have this emotional. Sean Payton cares about that stuff, and he's kind of as regular a person can be when they're a head head coach in NFL because 99.9% of them are complete lunatics, and Sean Payton is probably just like 87% lunatic, which makes him unique that way. And I think you're right. And another reason to draw it out, man, is I think in a way he's doing Taysom Hill a favor. Like Taysom, there's no way when Sean Payton has that difficult conversation with Taysom. And I think it will be difficult because he, he, he really has a genuine affection for Taysom Hill and what they've able, been able to do together and sort of create this really cool sort of career path for him. So I think it's not going to be a fun conversation for him. But by drawing it out last night and letting Taysom Hill play longer and longer, like it's clearly obvious to Taysom Hill. Like he's not dumb. He knows it. So I think in that way it makes it easier – and listen, here's the thing where Sean Payton's going to have to do why the Saints pay him $9 million a year or whatever they pay him is they need Taysom Hill. They need Taysom Hill to play, Scott. I know it's all been sunshine and rainbows today, and it's great because they looked amazing. But they had Troutman get carted off. Vanette got hurt. Like, they're not going to have Michael Thomas. They're probably not going to have Deontay Harris. Like, they need Taysom Hill to do his Swiss Army oh, yeah. back stuff. Like, they need it. And Sean Payton, I know Taysom, he prepared his body to be a quarterback. He wants to be a quarterback. Sean Payton is going to have to have a conversation. I bet there was a gallon of creatine in his locker after the game Monday. Just, like, (laughs) start putting the weight back on. Start start getting that Hercules build back because we we need it. Because you ain't, you know, this is your role right here. The same as it's it's been when, when, and frankly, when he's in that role, Ralph, he's... He's worth, you know, an investment of $12 million or 11 or whatever he's making yeah, this I year. Mean, I mean, you could say to him, look, you're 31, but if you get some, if you, you get good health, you can play four more years while I'm here and you'll have a role here and you'll make five to $7 million. That's a nice career. You know, if he plays four more years making $6 million a year, that's 25, almost $25 million. He's already made $20 million the last two years. Like that's a really nice NFL career for a guy that was probably had had a foot and a half out of the door and was going to have to get a real person job. So, you know, I think I still think that they, that Sean Payton he's so good at communicating with players that I think I think he'll be able to get Payson to do it um, because they need him. You know, especially especially if Troutman, like, if his ankle, I know the x-rays were negative, but if, if he's out and he's got the high ankle sprain and he misses a month, like, they're going to need they're gonna need him because Kamara, Callaway, like, that's not enough. And Deontay Harris, we love him, but he's, he's like, he's, a, he's super tiny, he's got. Like, he's proven that, like, you can't play him for even moderate samples because he gets hurt. So they they just need they need Taysom Hill to be Taysom Hill. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, WWL TV as well. He was on uh, yesterday morning. Uh, I assume his wife dressed him as uh, she usually does. It's the one thing that exactly Ralph has in common with Anthony Davis. People leave uh, clothes out for him to wear. Um, the 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 thing that stood out to me Monday night that a couple of th- like. I try to watch like individual performances in the preseason, right? And obviously, all eyes are on quarterback. 
it, it, Latavius Murray looks like he's got some like giant rubber Ooh. boots and is walking through the swamp. I mean, did he look he like he looks like he's dragging a canoe behind him? He is moving he like my so slow. What? What? And he, and he was one of those guys that was on the fringe in terms of they could save a little bit of money if they cut him. And you're up against the cap, but they held on to him. And, and look, here's the deal: I like Latavius Murray. I think, I think he's he's got value. I think you know behind Kamara, he's it's it's a great uh, number two back. You know, one of the better ones in the league. But boy, okay, it's just preseason. Like I said, I'm just looking at individual performances. He's he's cutting inside when he should go outside on a screen. He looks like he's lost the step. He just looks slow. It is only the preseason. Yet I can't sit there and look at Murray and just feel great right now because after Kamara, sheesh, okay, yeah, Tony Jones, cool, good preseason, like what you see, his decisiveness. But Murray's the guy that you're going to need, you know, to get those tough yards. You're going to need him to have, a, you know, a game or two in the season where he's getting a, a lion's share of the carries. He's making things happen. If he keeps running that slow and and just you know running into the back of Lyman I, I don't even know if he'll be on the roster by next week at this time Ooh, it's tough guy Latavius Murray is one of those guys where in the off season you can't see a player you can't project kind of like what an older player is going to be when you get to training camp so the Saints making the decision of like we can't cut him he's Latavius Murray he's been really good for us for two years we can't release him. He's part of our plans. But then you get in the camp, and you're like, "Ooh, he got he looks he looks old and slow." And you know they save about two million dollars if they cut him. Although cap space doesn't really matter this time of year. But I, I will tell you 100. percent I definitely think he's on the bubble. And and the thing that could tip it over that makes it harder for him to make the roster is. We're starting to see it. These, I think, these last four to five years, you always have these cuts that happen where we're like, "What?" Remember in in, in twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen, the Saints guard situation was a disaster, right? Jari Evans had left and went to Seattle, mm-hmm. and it was just a disaster. And Josh Stinton for the Packers got cut, and everybody was like. They cut who? They did what? And the Saints immediately went into action. It was like, Justin, get down here. We'll do some Loomis math, and we'll have you as our starting guard. Now, he went to the Bears because it's closer to his family and that sort of thing. But I think a guy like could be in trouble for the Saints because, Scott, if a receiver shakes loose, right, or a defensive tackle that they really like, they may say, hey, we need the cap space because we're going after this guy that just that just got cut, just shook loose. So I think Latavius Murray, I think his roster spot is very, very tenuous. He has been 1420. I, I, you know, you're not going to see a lot of key players playing uh, Saturday in the preseason finale, but Murray's a guy I think they're going to put out there and basically be like, look, you better go out there and show us you still got it here. I mean, Freeman felt to me like a guy that just because he used to be good and used to be on Atlanta, I knew he was going to get some headlines. But as soon as they sign him, I'm like, mm, you might have trouble making the roster. I mean, I, I and I, I maintain that. Mm-hmm. Going into the preseason, I would have never dreamed that Murray would be in the position that he is. But 
Right now, man, he needs to take off those those you know ski boots he seems to be wearing and, and put on his cleats and actually get moving because it's not looking good right now. One thing too, Ralph is, you know, surprises this this preseason because there's things that aren't surprising. I'm not surprised Jameis looked good with the ones. Uh, I'm not surprised that uh, everything we had heard about Callaway. I mean, I'm still very impressed by those catches, but I'm not surprised. I guess, which sounds funny, but we had heard so much hype about him and and how he was looking in camp. Um, surprised at Murray, and on the other side of it, on a positive note, surprised at Zach Bond. I mean, mm-hmm. I look, he wasn't even someone I even really thought about much. It was like, oh, they drafted P. Warner. Like, I wasn't – I was expecting Bond to just be some backup special teams guy. You know, think Colby Bockwalt type of role. Like, not not mm-hmm. really, like, in there and, and starting and being a potential difference maker. But, again, individual performances, not good for Murray, but for Bond – I mean, two preseason games, and you, you you talk to people. I know you guys do on the podcast. I do on this show that are out, that are at training camp, that are watching these guys. Vaughn has been one of maybe the most pleasant surprise at camp. Oh, I, 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 I will be the first to admit I was loud wrong about Vaughn. And here's, here's my theory, is I hate when teams, especially the Saints, draft a guy, and they're like, all this cool stuff he did in college – that you were really good at, we don't want you to do that anymore. You're going to do this whole new thing. And the Saints traded up to get him. And by the way, the Saints admitted they wanted to trade even higher to get him. Teams just wouldn't take their offers. So the Saints, what they've done with Bond, you you can't equate it to being lucky or anything. Like, they had this vision for a guy that didn't do this in college and he's doing it in the NFL level. And you saw, you saw it last week where they ran that little bootleg play that normally kills the same. Mm-hmm. And Vaughn just crushed it because he diagnosed it and he's incredibly fast. The saints linebackers, they're deep. They cut some NFL quality linebackers. I'm not saying they're going to cut somebody that's going to be like a full-time starter or anything, but they might even cut some guys that teams are going to claim. And their their defense is good. The thing is, with Crawley, who looked he looked good again uh, Monday night. The thing with him is, and it's interesting how new new uh, new secondary coach Chris Richards. Uh, talked about how they've they've changed how they coach him they say they said they said to him look Crawley dominate one route when they when you go to the line you say you think in your head to this wide receiver this route he is not running this route. I'm going to crush him on this route and you adjust from there it's kind of like a baseball player right you go to the plate and you're like I'm looking fastball outer half and you adjust from there the thing with Crawley is he's always struggled Scott when he gets his hands on people, he gets a couple penalties, and he sort of goes into a funk. That's what happened with the Saints before. I want to see how he bounces back when he plays against Green Bay and he has that and he has that illegal hand penalty middle first quarter. How does he respond to it? But this defense, Scott, like they're 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 so so good in the front seven, like and their run defense. I know Jacksonville's terrible and they didn't play a bunch of offensive line, but whatever. They're awful, but the Saints pretty much whipped Baltimore too. If they 
stop the if they continue to stop the run, they're going to be fine on defense. And this the the guys they have of Davenport and Granderson and Cam they got, Jordan. They got pass they rushers. Have, they got pass rushers. Yeah. There's no question. I I am not as sold as you and many others yet on run defense. I kind of want to see these D tackles in the regular season, you know, facing off against a, a quarterback that, mm-hmm. you know, can really throw and that, you know, opens up the run game because you know you don't have the support behind you. I don't know. I'm not I'm not as far as you and maybe look, I, I admit that I'm I'm kind of maybe in the minority here right now because I know like you, a lot of Saints fans and people that follow this team and cover this team are they're telling me, look, the run defense is going to be a lot better than we than we thought it was going to be, say, a month ago. And I'm just, I'm not there yet, Ralph. I kind of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some regular season. I'm gonna need some real reps before I get there. But why are you, why are you confident right now in the run defense? I'm confident in the run game one because I think Dennis Allen does a great job of scheming it, and two, the guys they have, Dalton and other ring, they've, they've flashed some. The hardest thing for the Saints, Scott, is just the opener. It's just a terrible matchup. Like, why did it have to be Aaron Rodgers? Like, why couldn't it? Why couldn't they have flipped it and been like, I'd rather like go to Carolina that first week, right? Like, Green Bay is just such a terrible matchup. But I think their I think their run defense is gonna be fine, and and I think I think their sec- like. We we worry about corner because we have PTSD with corner from like 2012 to like basically 2016, right? Where the Saints most, mo- let's just say most years of the Saints, like ever. I think we could say that. Yeah. So we have this 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 fear of like bad corners, but the thing is, their deep, their secondary and their front is so good. Like you can get by with a one bad corner if your pass rush is good and you got a couple, you got a good safety who can help the bad corner like the reason the Saints corners were terrible before is cuz their whole defense was terrible right like back in the day they won at the dome patrol like name the corners from the 20 2000 Saints like it's a it's a hard thing to remember because they just killed quarterbacks like you can cover up bad one bad corner if you have uh a solid supporting cast around him. The thing for me, Scott, and, and I said it last week, and I really worry about kicker because the Saints, as as much optimism as we've had, like they're still going to be in a ton of one-score games. And a bad kicker, like there's no way to scheme it, right? So you could easily be sitting there at Halloween and being like, if they had a decent kicker that they'd be four and two mm-hmm. instead they're two and four. Like I, I still worry. I still worry very much. Um, I worry very much about kicker and like tight end. I think, you know, they need, they need good news on Vanette and Troutman. Um, because if, if not, they're going to be rummaging through other teams trash to find a warm body at tight end. It, yes. Yes. Um, again, that big, big gallon of creatine just waiting on you, Taysom. Uh, start putting it on there. And I know, look, I know that, that, that someone called the other day. They're excited about Juwan Johnson. And the guy, admittedly, he's, I mean, he, he can't really block quite yet. And, oh, well, Jimmy Graham didn't block much. Let's, you know, and, and the caller said, look, I'm not saying he's Jimmy Graham. He was excited about, I guess, the, the pass catching ability of Johnson. Okay. Um, but, you know, to to keep the offense from not being incredibly predictable, the guy's going to need to learn to block. You know, so he can get some actual reps there. But 
I've I've I feel like tight end was one of the biggest question marks on the roster coming into this, and despite the fact that Juwan Johnson has caught a couple of passes in a few preseason games, um, I still feel even worse about the position now with Troutman, um, you know, being carted off and dealing with the injury he's dealing with. So it's, uh, you know, Saints fans are excited about the deep ball being there and all this other stuff, and that was on full display, and I get it. And we know what Kamara can do when he's in there, and the Saints do have a great offensive line. But, man, if you don't have a tight end – I mean, what was the last time the Saints – was it back when Mr. Jessica Simpson was the the, the tight end one? Is that the last time the Saints were this thin at that position? Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, they, you know, that what did what is it? 2015 they traded for Hooman and they and they had they they had Hooman and Ben yeah. Watson and they yeah, and they went two tight ends. I mean, the thing is that people need to remember about the Saints is their the, the the core philosophy and Sean Payton and Drew Brees have said this. Their core philosophy is they throw the ball all over the place. They play with tempo and they formation you to death. Like if if you want to boil the Saints' offensive philosophy of Sean Payton down into like a ten second soundbite, that's it. And when they don't have tight ends, they struggle. I mean, I can remember games where Sean Payton after the game was like, Josh Hill got a concussion and that like blew out half our game plan, and we had to scramble at halftime because. Half our play, half our playbook was out, you know. And I'll, besides the no call, I would go to my grave saying Josh Hill getting concussed against the Rams was low key one of the biggest things in that game that cost the Saints because it wrecked their entire run game. So they need competent blocking tight ends. They're kind of easy to find, but you know it's getting it's getting late before the season, Scott. So. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. They need they need good news on either Troutman or Vanette. Mostly, if, if if Vanette is okay, they'll be it'll be workable at tight end. But if Vanette out for regular season games, whew, it becomes it becomes it'll become the cavalcade of sad tight end tryouts. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com and getting back to Taysom Hill. I know he doesn't just play tight end, but if he's going to be in that role where he's most effective, he's going to need to put the weight back on. All right, final question for you, Ralph, on the Saints. Um, preseason finale is Saturday. Expect lots of backups, and then, you know, we'll figure out who the 27 players they have to cut by Tuesday are. But what do you watch for in a final preseason game? Um, which is, let's be honest, I it, at times it's like sitting in a dentist chair just – you don't want to be there. At least I don't want to be there, but I know I have to be. I need it. I got to do it for work. But it's, you know, it's usually not that fun. Every now and then they might give you some stuff that makes you giggle and laugh or makes you rest nice. Okay, so there might be a few positive things there. But for the most part, most of the time, it's not very fun, at least to me. Well, I always, I, for the for the last decade or plus, however many I've wrote the Channel 4 column for them, I always tell my editors, like, I don't do a fourth preseason game column. Because because my thing is Sean Payton. This is how how teams don't even care about the last, last preseason game. When Sean Payton was on suspension in 2012, he didn't even watch the Saints' last preseason game on TV. He was at his kids' football game. Like that's how meaningless 
a lot of those games are. Now, I know guys can make the roster shy, Tuttle, and that sort of thing. The only thing that I'm really interested in for this last preseason game is I want to see Ian Book play a bunch. He's getting, he's getting, I wouldn't say rave reviews, but people that go out and watch practice have said, look, he's the best project quarterback that the Saints have ever brought in. Now, granted, the bar on that is low, maybe not existing. You're talking, you're talking get Grayson, John Canfield, like the project quarterbacks the Saints have brought in haven't amounted to anything. But Ian Book is a guy, Saints really like him. And, you know, uh, Lewis Riddick on the Monday night game, he said teams were calling the Saints about Ian Book. Because I guess they're like, you got four quarterbacks, maybe you don't like him, we'll trade him. So I'm really interested to see Ian Book if he's made progress from the beginning of preseason to the end. Because, Scott, not that he could be the future or whatever, but if he could be like a Chase Daniel, like a competent backup, like that's a good thing to have. And it's just, it, like he's a fun preseason quarterback, so he's going to run around, and it could be a catastrophe. It might be fun. You could set it to Benny Hill music. Like it'll, he'll, he's a he's a fun preseason watch. So that is the and kicker. That and kicker is what I'm looking for. Final preseason game. Uh, you know, punter on the other hand, let's end on a positive note. Blake Gilligan uh, looking pretty good there. I mean, I, I love Thomas. He's a friend. Uh, I still text him, but. Um, you know, I mean, looks like the Saints got themselves another pretty good punter. They do, and they, they, uh, they, they the, the other guy they had in Ken Connolly, he, he's really good too, but he's just wildly inconsistent. You know, like he'll, he'll, he'll have a punt that's amazing, but he only does it like twice out of every ten. Um, but Gilligan's a good punter, and listen, the Saints have dominated on special team, which, which Gosselin, he used to write for the Dallas Morning News, he's, he's rated special, he rates special teams in a, in a deep analytical way. And the Saints have been top three, I think, going on four years in a row. So the Saints invest heavily in it. They keep special, team, special teams only guys. And listen, the margins are so much thinner this year, Scott, for the Saints. That's why kicker, special teams, it all matters because the Saints are going to be I think they're going to probably be if you had to if you had to do an over under. I necessarily wouldn't know wins necessarily, but I bet you the Saints are going to play twelve of the seventeen. Twelve of the seventeen will be one score games. Like the Saints, they'll blow out two teams, or hopefully they'll blow out three teams. They'll get kicked in the teeth twice, and the other twelve games are going to be one score toss up games, and that means every little detail matters and it's the difference between seven and ten or ten and seven and it's just going to be like this handful of plays kicks whatever so they got to figure out special teams they got to figure out kicker that's pretty much the only thing to care about ralph malbro our guest appreciate the time my friend guys i tell you every time i bring him on look i know you guys have a great following here in lafayette but uh saints happy hour podcast man they uh they do it right they have a blast and um I mean, you know, I always like to give you the floor to pump it up a little bit, Ralph. What do you guys have cooking? I mean, the only thing we have cooking is just my only plea would be wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to us. We give a couple away that you can listen for free if you're not a patron. Just listen to us for two weeks during the season. Listen to us four podcasts. Listen to us for four times. If you don't love it, I don't know what to tell you. We're 
we have X's and O's. We cover everything for the Saints, we, but, but mostly we're just here for the jokes. We're either laughing with the Saints when they win or we're at, laughing at them when they lose. Mostly the last four years we've been laughing with them. Uh, it's great fun, uh, and we just have a great we have a great time. And I'm going to get you back on so we can do another uh, another drunk Saints history about some random topic, most likely the 2000 Saints. <laughs> I can't wait, brother. <laughs> I always have a blast when I when I get to uh, hang out with you on there, and I enjoy listening, guys. Check it out. Uh, you can follow Ralph on Twitter at Saints Forecast. You can follow the Saints Happy Hour on Twitter at Saints Happy Hour. And uh, check out their stuff. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all those places. Ralph, as always, my friend, I appreciate it. All the best. And um, I know I'll be texting you soon, especially with the season right around the corner. And I uh, might have to drink my sorrows away one night when we record a Drunk Saints history. That's right. That's right. Anytime, Scott. All right. That is Ralph Malbro coming up next. Aaron Hogan from The Horn radio station in Austin. I uh, don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, actually you did, of course. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Some lines now have them at minus eight and a half. That line continues to move. They're taking on Texas week one. We will get some informed opinions and analysis about the Longhorns, what they're expecting in that matchup and this season from Aaron Hogan next. We've got Ben Mincy from Barstool Sports. You want to talk betting? How about the over-under win total this year for Saints, for Cajuns, for Tigers? How about some of those week one lines? We're going to dig into that with him as well at 8.15. Got a great show in store for you this morning. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN1420.com.